Hello again from BSP headquarters. You're currently listening to episode 17 of the Black Swamp podcast, and this is where we've been giving you a chance to eavesdrop on some conversations we have with Black Swamp artists and educators. There's a lot of amazing podcast content out there, so we always appreciate you tuning into our little series. Some extra housekeeping here. We are busy planning our next sound solution project for August. If you're not familiar with these, about twice a year we host a two-week online event featuring educational and performance content from our artists and educators. Contributors for our upcoming event include Matthew Lau, Abby Fisher, Josh Jones, Anthony DiBartolo, Lineage Percussion, and more. So stay tuned for that. So now we're about to start a conversation with Joe W. Moore III. Uh, Joe's a BSP educator who we've had the privilege to collaborate with several times over the last few years. Uh, He's currently assistant professor of percussion at Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina, a solo and chamber percussionist, and a very active composer for percussion. Joe and I talk about his adjustments during the pandemic and his time at home. We chat about his inspiration for composing and we also dive into his perspective on diversity within the world and also within the orchestral percussion community. So here we go. Uh, hey, Joe. How you doing? Doing well, Tim. How are you? Good. We got, we got through a few pleasantries already before we started recording, but I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule and having a conversation. So um, you... I appreciate you having me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we just started, so anything, <laughs> anything could happen in the next 45 minutes or an hour. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll touch base again at the end and see how it went. Um, okay. So you are you're in South Carolina and at Benedict yes. College. How, how are things going there? Uh, things are good um, uh, so far. Uh, it's been a, an interesting first year because yeah. <laughs> uh, I just started in the fall. Um, and the fall semester was a little interesting because, uh, my wife actually got sick. Uh, she was in the hospital for right. a, quite a bit of time from, uh, August to October, wow. uh, dealing with pancreatitis. Um, but so the, the fall semester was a little tricky for me right. back and forth between the hospital and, and teaching. Um, but I, we managed, we got through it and my wife's doing better now. And then the spring, you know, we start to get rolling and then, uh, the virus hits. So <laughs> right. it's kind of been a very interesting year overall. Yeah. And your wife was at, at PASIC last fall, if I remember. So, and we had a chance yeah, to catch she up was, a little bit. She was doing better. She had just, yeah. So she had been doing better. And so she yeah. went, traveled with me to PASIC. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm glad to hear. I was happy to, happy to see her there because I know you. You were, you guys were working through some stuff, and then obviously, yeah, first year <laughs> at a new school, and uh, you know, yeah, so a bunch of things happened. So, um, and then um, when we were kind of corresponding, um, you know, about this uh, conversation, you know, I think the last correspondence you said you were planning some, like basically your virtual, um kind of teaching plans and stuff is that so moving forward into the fall yeah. are, you, are you straight up online or is there is there kind of a mix or yeah what's going on um uh well uh the students are given an option uh to to do hybrid or online okay 
uh, courses, um, uh, but all of the faculty had to be trained and certified to teach online. So I've okay. done that already. Uh, and now I'm just developing all of my courses. Okay. Uh, and I, I, right now, um, I'm, I'm going, uh, I think the college wants us to develop them for online teaching. And then if the opportunity is there where we can do some hybrid, uh, then, then, then we'll do that. Um, but it's all kind of, it's all kind of take it as we go kind of a situation right now. So, right. Yeah. And definitely, um, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much all you could do. Like even, even our, yeah. our end, like working the spring and through the summer, as far as manufacturing goes, we, we almost have to take it one week at a time. But that was like, yeah, honestly, one of my going to be one of my first questions, like, so, you know, COVID hits, everything shuts down, you know, school year's not over in the spring. So you had to like immediately transition, like, you know, countless other educators to, to yes, yeah. on online education. And now, you know, I hear you, you say already that there's some certification that's needed. So online certification. So that was one of my questions, like what's different between, you know, kind of like, you know, on flipping on a dime, going from in-person to, you know, virtual education to now, now you've had some time to prepare, like what, what's different? Well, like, what does that certification kind of entail? Uh, well, it, it, it's more of uh it's more detailed, um, okay. as far as how you're going about doing the teaching, uh, you're planning your assignments and your projects, uh, geared toward the online uh, learner. So a little bit more asynchronous work, um, and, uh, and, um, and some synchronous work, um, some meetings virtually and, and those types of things. Sure. Um, and, and just developing, I mean, developing the courses in, in a way that they can be taught, uh, virtually. Right. Um, so I, I, this semester I'm teaching, uh, uh, applied lessons, um, uh, percussion ensemble, uh, form and analysis, uh, music theory four. Sure. And then also el electronic computer music. Okay. Um, so that's basically like the music technology course. Right. Um, and so, um, just flipping all those courses to teach them online. Um, and I'm still, I'm still working through them all, <laughs> right. uh, sure. applied lessons. I, I, I've, I've gotten that one kind of figured out because of the spring semester, you know, right. uh, kind of gotten that, that one worked out. Um, and, uh, electronic computer music. I've got that one worked out too. Um, cause you know, there's a lot of the music technology stuff you can learn really online anyways. So, okay. so that one's pretty, pretty much done. And then the ones I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to really do a lot of work on, uh, are the ones on, uh, music theory and, uh, form and analysis. Right. Like, <laughs> so I mean, those will... is that kind of, is that what you expected? Like some, you know, I guess it seems a little intuitive that some classes might be easier to teach online than others. Is that, was that kind of what you experienced or, or did some things yeah, yeah. catch you by surprise? Uh, yeah, I mean, I experienced that some were easier to teach online than others, um, yeah. like applied lessons. I mean, you can still, uh, pretty much get the gist other than great audio sometimes. Right. right um, for sure. But, but you know, theory, it's like lecturing and, and, uh, and so now that's what, that's the next thing I have to kind of develop a little bit more. So than what I did in the spring is 
is really recording lectures and um, making sure that they're they're not too long to where the student becomes uninterested right and then uh and but make sure that they cover enough content sure um and so so it's just a balance uh you know you have to balance through the the modules that you create and that kind of thing and so uh, but the course we we all had to do the certification and the e-certification course was great about uh showing us how to do that um right. and so now it's just about me sitting down and 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 you know creating those little uh those little lectures and and activities for the students to to complete so Uh, was that that certification was that like a national program or is that something that benedict kind of put together or uh it's 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 at benedict it's the the e-college uh program so sure uh yeah so we we've had online courses in the in the past um but now we're pushing to get pretty much everything uh into the e-college format so that we were able to flip if we need to, um, you know, like we really weren't able to do very well in the spring, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're making it happen. (laughs) You're pushing through it, which which is all, yeah. (laughs) All you can really do. Cause I mean, even I got two girls there and one's in middle school, she's going into eighth grade and then one's going into third grade. And it's like, especially our 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 youngest i was really impressed with her teacher like transitioning i mean uh, you know the school as a whole transitioning like almost yeah. immediately to some some type of online learning i mean it was a it was progressive that's for sure but they didn't they didn't really miss a beat i mean they kind of i think they saw <laughs> they knew things were going to happen so we you know we had parent teacher conferences like the week before the shutdown and and they were already kind of asking mm-hmm. questions making sure we had you know, we had um, uh, la- either laptops or tablets or something that they could that they could use uh, for yeah. school and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was really impressed with with how they kind of handle it. And then all the, uh, already they're kind of pushing out a plan for the fall. It sounds like, you know, even similar to your situation where, you know, they could yeah. do they could do virtually, you know, 100 percent online or they could do 100 percent in person if they chose to. So, um, yeah. Y- yeah. So as so you know professionally like educationally uh we're kind of touched on how covid's affected you but like more more professionally as a musician or like a percussionist have you have you seen any personal kind of impact there as far as shutdown i mean obviously you know musicians around the world have you know lost gigs or or obviously teaching but you know you've kind of you've kind of felt that impact on your end as well yeah, yeah, I have. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, it's, 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 I felt the impact professionally where, where things got canceled, right. uh, and, and shut down. Uh, but then also I felt the impact, uh, the opposite way where I was, I was able to be more creative and, and, uh, and teach myself new things. Right. Um, and learn new things. Uh, so for, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit already, but my wife was in the hospital in the fall right? and then spring rolls around. Uh, I just starting to get things rolling back with performing again. Uh, we, I did a, I went on tour, uh, in Chicago with the Ninkasi percussion group, which is, uh, Greg Lyons, Oliver Molina and Gustavo Miranda. 
uh, and myself, and we, we toured Chicago playing Mark Mellitz's music. Um, and that was, that was the week before uh, spring break. Oh, okay. So I think it was the end of, end of February. Um, or two weeks before spring break for me. So the end of February, we, we went on tour in Chicago. Uh, we got to play with Mark. Uh, play for Mark Mellitz, um, right. and play, and then we played played at several uh, universities and toured our way back down to Louisiana, uh, to Oliver's school at NSU. And then uh, I get back. I have one week of teaching, which is midterms. Yeah. Uh, and then spring break happens, and I never went back back to <laughs> campus after that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's- so it was just like that and for me that was really the start of of me beginning to like really get back into things mm-hmm. um since the fall right and uh and then it was just completely shut down So it was it was a little bit of a bummer uh, in the beginning. I uh, kind of went through a little bit of like, wow, like I, I was really just starting to do what I normally do again, and, right. uh, and then uh, and then it just it kind of flipped uh, where I started working on different projects and and just recording things and and posting them right. uh, on YouTube and and uh trying to record more of my music uh writing more music and 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 learning to use final cut uh right. and also uh digital audio workstations like logic and studio one and uh and so forth and so on um but yeah so i just kind of it just kind of became more projects and and i tried to find a way to to make good out of a negative situation yeah i mean there's definitely some silver linings there i mean and that was kind of you know where i was headed next as far as creativity and and productivity so it sounds like some definite like professional development on on your end as far as like you know taking time to record record videos or either audio or video stuff and and learning how to use the software and and yeah, I think definitely. Unfortunately, if there's one, you know, several things that come out of quarantining or self-quarantining, like that would definitely be one of them because, you know, I had, I kind of, I mean, we're in the same boat. I mean, uh, even manufacturing. I mean, you're if you're home, no matter what you're doing, you're home. So it's kind of, yeah. You know, okay, what am I going to do with with some of this time? Other, you know, one of the major, I think, silver linings is spending time with your family. So, like. You know, yeah. Well, what are we That's gonna... another thing too. Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Yeah, I got. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. I was just saying. Yeah, I, I, I had that. That was a great opportunity as well. Uh, so we're all at home, um, right. getting to spend time with my wife, my wife and daughter. Yeah. Uh, which my my daughter is. She'll be three uh, okay. in August. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so it's it, it's been good on that front as well. Just just being kind of uh a homebody and uh and, yeah. <laughs> and just spending time spending time together doing things and wa- watching my little girl grow so that's yeah. that's been awesome yeah i mean um it, how so as a three-year-old how did she i'm not sure if you can process what's happening in the world right now as a three-year-old but she kind of well, was handling handling it well 
yeah, she 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 was handling it well for a good good amount of time, and uh, uh, I guess a few weeks ago, now, uh, she started to you know say with the little uh, speaking that she does right now, she started to say, you know, I want to, daddy, I want to see friends. I want to, yeah. I want to play with, you know, other kids and stuff like that. Um, yep. uh, so we, we did have a, an opportunity to, to do a little visiting with, with cousins and things like that, but sure. Nothing more than that. Yeah. No, we were, we, we did the same. I mean, we did have an incident basically the first or second week of shut down my, our youngest, kind of you know they have tablets and they can uh, chat a little bit with friends and they they <laughs> she left the house sort of uh, you know unknowingly to us and we had to to meet her friend you know around the literally like around the corner so we had to kind of nip that oh, okay. really quickly <laughs> it's like no you can't you can't just take off because but it was a you know even after a couple weeks she was already feeling the pinch of like yeah you're not seeing her friends at school and wanting to kind of hang out with somebody other yeah. than than her family i guess but yeah we did a we did shrinky dinks and polymer clay and played board games and um i was kind of proud yeah. we didn't we didn't watch too many movies we we kind of do at night tv shows or movies to to unwind but you know we didn't we yeah. didn't binge watch <laughs> any series as a family which i was pretty proud yeah. of that and and uh i still got up um i mean even though we weren't we weren't operating at the shop. I was still kind of keeping things moving at home, was, you know, social mm-hmm. media and marketing stuff, communication. So I was kind of doing that every day a little bit anyways, but it was great to be able to, to yeah, spend time with family and just um, kind of chill, <laughs> to be honest. Like, it, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then same kind of similar thing i i kind of dove into some recording i had i had drum mics for a while um okay and, and yeah. just hadn't had an opportunity to uh to really set them up and and figure out how to use uh garage band and and start mixing stuff so i i did some of that and kind of did a little collaborating with some people friends and family that that play so yeah it was kind of cool to to yeah. stretch stretch out a little bit and do things i don't know if it's like this for you i'm at work you know and think about you know something i want to do at night some project or i could sit down and do this and then i get home and after dinner we just want to kind of <laughs> relax so it was cool to be able yeah. to dig dig yeah. into some of that um uh yeah so project wise like um you know working either recording compositions um but w- did you start anything well, yeah, of course you started something new <laughs> on your time off. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess I want to kind of, yeah, next dig into that aspect of your um, uh, profession uh, as far as composition goes. Mm-hmm. Like how did, I mean, how did that start to take shape, I guess? When did that interest in composing and and getting thoughts down uh, musically take place? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I... I think I can still remember my first composition was actually in middle school. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was just a, it was a snare drum piece. Yeah. Uh, just and I called it uh, "The Bomb." <laughs> nice. And uh, right. yeah, I I don't remember. I think it, it might have been an assignment from my middle school band band director, uh, Miss Kingsbury. Right. Uh, I I'm a military brat, so I I, I kind of grew up all over. 
okay. but when I was in middle school, I was in I w- my parents were stationed in Germany. Oh, cool. Uh, and in Hanau, Germany, and uh, and so I had a. It's funny because I my middle school band director, her son was also a a percussionist, a drummer. Okay. And uh, and so we kind of he was a year younger than me, so we kind of became pretty good friends. Right. Um. And it, and I'll tell you this quick story is that you know he's a professional musician now, but he he's uh he's in the uh in the uh pop music hip hop uh industry right <laughs> uh over in, over in Europe okay. and i'm more the classical musician college teacher right uh, and it's it's kind of funny though because when i would go over to their house uh, we would listen to uh in the morning for breakfast or during breakfast she would always have like beethoven or 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 uh, Mozart or or, or orchestral uh, composer right. uh, playing, and uh, she would ask them like, who was the composer, and uh, what era of music they composed in, and, and oh, things no like that, just at the brec- at the breakfast table. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> and like, and so that was kind of my first real experience orchestrally, um, but compositionally my first composition happened in one of her classes okay. uh, but then really in college was when uh, and I had done a little bit in high school but mostly like drumline stuff right mm-hmm. writing like cadences or little snare drum riffs and things like that right. uh, but in college uh, was really when composition started for me uh, as an assignment actually for Jeff Moore uh, he would have us at, at UCF, he would have us write a composition uh, every semester. Uh, and as as you got older or go, go through the program, the compositions get longer. Right. Um, and, you know, you kind of take on, you're kind of learning what it takes to uh, of the compositional side of things. But then uh, some of us uh, end up, you know, taking it even further than just the assignment. Uh, right. Which is what I ended up doing. So you studied. Uh, I think my second. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So you studied composition, uh, in outside of like your percussion studies with Jeff. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing that, um, and it was really after, uh, I think my sophomore year, I wrote a. The assignment was to write a multi-percussion piece, mm-hmm. um, and I I expanded it into like into a duet a multi-percussion duet okay uh and then i played i played it in my junior recital and ended up sending the recording to innovative percussion publications hmm. uh and it and they ended up publishing the piece and so that's kind of where the compositional thing started for me what was that and piece? then from that point yeah sorry that? for that point i uh what was the i piece? decided to Oh, it's called Dimension Five. Oh, okay. And it's they, they still publish it now, right. uh, but it was at that point I decided I I should uh, study composition uh, and take it take it even more seriously. So I started taking lessons, composition lessons, uh, right. with the composition faculty at UCF, and it kept going from there. Uh, at, uh, I didn't really do so much in my master's as far as studying composition goes, but my doctorate uh, composition was my minor area. Okay. Uh, and so 
was I that, took lessons with Dinos, Constantinides, and Brett Dietz. Was that in Louisiana? Sorry. Was that Louisiana? Yeah, in Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, at LSU. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, just looking at your your website, I mean, you got pieces from marimba, vibes, timpani, multi stuff, uh, solo cretale, solo cowbell, like some really, <laughs> you, you know, I, you know, I straightforward stuff, I guess, but then some really unique, u- unique. Um, pieces like how do you how do you kind of come up with a solo cowbell piece or a solo crotale piece like what's <laughs> the what's the inspiration behind you know uh, uh, something a little more unique like that okay yeah a couple of those uh those pieces um it's actually funny i did a project in 2013 uh, called Project Create. Okay. Um, and so what I did was every day for the entire month of June on Facebook, I posted Project Create Day 1. The first person who comments on this post at telling me what instrument to compose for will receive a free copy of the piece and a dedication of the piece. Okay. How long uh, ago was and this? So that, was, uh, that was in 2013. Oh, right. Okay. You're a little bit yeah, ahead so of the. You were kind of ahead of the curve there, I think. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty interesting like like project for you know seven eight years ago, like to to kind of yeah. start start yeah. using social media as a means for you know developing like content for composing or for for music. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, keep and going. For sorry for for me, it was a way to to uh, compose more for instruments I hadn't composed for yet yeah sure um and and, uh so that's how i ended up with solo cowbell someone asked for that (laughs) (laughs) so and someone asked for solo cretales and and so forth and so on and so that's how i ended up with some of those pieces um i think there's one for uh kalimba uh water phone uh which dan moore uh, at the University of Iowa, Dan Moore asked for that one for oh, a okay, piece for solo cool. waterphone, and so and so I uh, I composed those pieces, um, which, and 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 they turned out a lot of them turned out really really well. Um, yeah. There's a piece, uh, timpani piece I wrote called Thunder, uh, that one's published uh, during that I wrote it during that project, and it's but it's published through C. Allen, okay, um, publications also. Uh, I wonder, I'm trying to think if there, there's a bass clarinet piece I, I wrote uh, called uh, In Flame, uh, and that one's published through Alea Publishing. Um, so I, I got some, some, good, some good compositions out of that, right. that project, uh, but that's kind of how I, how I ended up on those somewhat obscure kind of pieces. <laughs> right. No, I think it's really smart and, and interesting. Um, and then, I mean, I know it was this was a couple years ago. You did pretty much something. Well, I guess they're not similar, but still, you did using, I think, social media as a tool. Your one year study for snare drum, where, I mean, you wrote a piece in an etude every day of the year. Like, how did that, <laughs> how did that concept come about? And and then obviously sharing it and and publishing and 
and everything. Like I thought it was a really, a really unique project. Uh, that one actually came about because I was, I was, uh, it was during uh, when I was teaching at UTRGV. Um, I think it was the uh, the same. It happened like the 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 January before my daughter was born. I okay. started it, um, and the reason I started it was because I had be I had gotten so busy with uh, uh, with teaching and and performing that I, I hadn't been writing very much. Okay. Um, and so it was sort it was my new year's resolution to get myself to compose more. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so I decided, yeah, it worked. <laughs> uh, and so I decided I would write a snare drum etude, uh, every day for an entire year. Uh, each of the etudes at about one minute each. Okay. Uh, so that it doesn't take up, too much time uh to create um but it, at least i'm doing something every day right um and so, so it take it probably take like 15 to 20 minutes to compose one right um that was my next question like what what was the the sort of the time com daily time commitment for that so 15 20 minutes to compose but then obviously you gotta uh, you know get it on paper or make it look good <laughs> and uh yeah um, yeah, so so really the first uh, it was it ended up kind of being a two year project because I I wrote them all uh, in 2018 okay. and then I released them in tw in 2019. I see. So so once I got once I had them all complete, uh, the very first thing I did was make sure that January, uh, the January etudes are ready to go, right. <laughs> January first. Right. You know, yeah. uh, so it's like uh, so then it became. Uh, editing uh, and 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 uh, you know doing the the publishing work, making sure everything looks looks professional and is presentable right. uh, before I release the the next the next month. Um, so it was it was it ended up kind of being a two year project, composing one year and then and then editing and cleaning up the scores the next year. Right. And so does that? I mean, going through this process. Does that give you ideas for something in the future, like a uh, another s kind of similar project that might maybe take a longer period of time, but is you know kind of comes together in a similar way? I don't know. <laughs> that <laughs> okay, was. I'll, ta I'll take that as a no then. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so doing that for a year was it? It ended up being tough by the end. It was like, man, yeah. I just. Yeah, I'll be I'll be ready to be done done writing these, but um, <laughs> right. but it, I mean, commitment. but the good part the good part is that I rhythmically I was able to con uh to be be very creative in in those etudes um right. and they'll help and they they'll help me uh, as I compose other things. Sure. Um, I don't know that I'll I don't know that I'll take on a project that that large. Right. <laughs> again. Right. Or anytime soon, maybe. I don't know. So could <laughs> but, you... Uh, no, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, I, you know, writing something every... Writing an etude every day, like coming up with some original content that um, that maybe, you know, you just didn't... You're not just regurgitating or recycling 
um, from one day to the next. I'm sure you, you know, was there any type of influence day to day or were you really pushing yourself to kind of make it something original every day or are there kind of variations on a theme or I haven't dug into the book. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had to do a couple things. I had to limit myself uh, early on. That okay. was the first thing I had to do. So um, I think the first, the first three months of 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 etudes, um, so January, February, March, they're all one time signature. Okay. Um, so I did no mixed meter, um, and then I think the next three, I could only do two time signatures. Mm. And then the next three, I could do three. And then the, the, the next three, it was as many as I wanted. Okay. Um, and so, you set so up that some, was one way of. You set up some parameters sorry, for yourself then. You set up parameters yeah, for yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. So then. I, yeah, set some limitations. Uh, and then uh, as I was working through the etudes um, and and writing them, um, I, I started to choose to be inspired by whatever was happening uh, each day. Okay. So if I was teaching percussion ensemble one day and we were playing a specific piece, maybe that piece influenced, uh, you know, uh, influenced that etude for that day if I hadn't right. written it yet. Or, uh, or if I listened to a piece of music on the radio or something, maybe that influenced the, the etude for that day. I think there's a, there's some that I remember, like uh, February 20, 23rd, that's the Black Panther etude. So I went and watched Marvel's Black Panther. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. And so the, the soundtrack from the movie kind of inspired that etude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, or the main, the main uh, theme song from the movie. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then I think there's, there's an Africa etude <laughs> by Toto. Right. <laughs> somewhere. In yeah. there, I think there's a there's a sculpture and wood etude. I think in the summer, uh, or maybe in May, maybe in the May book, uh, because uh, I listened to Oliver's group uh, perform that as they were getting ready to go and play it uh, at uh, NCPP. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I sat in on their rehearsal and coached them a little bit, and I think that day I wrote a a, a sculpture and wood etude. So there's, there, I, I let several different things influence me uh, yeah. as the days went by. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Uh, no, I think it's a really cool concept. I mean, you kind of draw inspiration from whatever you're seeing, hearing, playing, watching that day and kind of letting it work its way into your, your composing yeah. and in, into your music. Um, you know, so obviously you know moving forward to, to something more current um i mean your latest <laughs> your latest composition being black is uh, you know obviously yeah uh, a response to to the killing of george floyd um in other events like is that was that kind of something you were thinking about previously or is was was that a real true kind of catalyst for writing that that multi-percussion piece yeah it was actually and uh it actually started when uh the story of uh Ahmaud Aubrey sure uh came out um 
it really started there. Um, finding out about that, what had happened, and how he was, you know, followed and 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 killed in that way was right. was kind of the 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 starting of writing that of writing being black. Um, right. Because then it it just brought up memories. Um, of re- I remember when when Trayvon Martin uh, was killed and 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 all of those things. So all those and Eric, Eric Gardner, uh, mm-hmm. and and those things kind of stuck with me over time. And then uh, when when Armad Arbery was killed, that kind of pushed me to all right. I need to I need to say something. I need to respond. And right. then within my composing of the response and and starting to work on the video then the uh then George Floyd was killed okay um, so you yeah that's interesting you were already you were already in process yeah of, of writing and putting yeah. video together yeah I didn't realize that yeah so I was in the process of doing that and and George Floyd was was killed and and uh you know it kind of that at that point it it really triggered like i need to get this done i need to get this done i need to i need to say something right um and uh so yeah that's kind of that's kind of how it how it came about And it's still it's still a little touchy for me because it get, it gets me a little I it's it's sad you know. Um, no, I, I I appreciate that. Um, and if but I also appreciate you releasing the piece and 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 putting it out there because I think it's a you know a way to sort of reflect and process and and mm-hmm. bring awareness so i think i i really appreciate you putting that time and effort into it um like musically speaking like what i mean when you are processing those events and um it's probably experiencing definitely experiencing a, a whole wide range of of emotions like how do you begin to sort of musically uh uh project that i guess or what what what's kind of a process for putting music to those those thoughts and, and emotions yeah um well for me the the first thing um it's kind of a uh with i guess with composing for me um one of my teachers told me that titles are important um mm-hmm. and so for for these or for the movements of 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 the piece being black um i i wanted to tell uh some of the stories through the the titles of the the pieces of music right um um so um you know the first the first movement being black and walking 
is just the feeling of being out of place or feeling like you're out of place. Um, as a African American male, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in the United States, uh, you know, you might go to a neighborhood that seems like you, you don't belong there and you kind of feel out of place. So that was kind of the first movement. Then the second, uh, movement, uh, was really, um, it was being black in a hoodie. Uh, and that was directly related to, uh, Trayvon, Mm -hmm. uh, Martin, uh, and just kind of that, you know, that whole situation that happened. Um, and, and kind of being judged sometimes, uh, by the way you dress. I, th- I, I actually talked with, uh, Keith Aleo recently okay. about the piece a little bit. And I kind of told him my, ex- my experience, one of my experiences, uh, was I, I never owned a hoodie until okay. I, until I, uh, I was until I was finishing my doctorate uh, degree mm-hmm. was when I bought the first hoodie that I had owned since I was a little kid, uh, right. <laughs> because I just felt you know um, I couldn't I didn't want to be looked at or perceived a certain way because right. I was wearing a hoodie, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then you know during my college years is when uh, the Trayvon Martin situation happened. And so, um, yeah, I just never bought a hoodie because of that. I didn't want people not to take me seriously. Right. Um, as an academic, you know, no, that that's, I mean, kind of something I wanted to try to unpack a little bit with you. And if you're comfortable, you know, you, you you know, you have some direct, (laughs) uh um perspective there and also like direct experiences that probably relate so that's what also what i was what i was curious about i mean hearing you know you haven't you didn't buy a hoodie for for those reasons even even before trayvon martin is that correct and so even even before um then you, you weren't you know you weren't comfortable um i mean there are other um anything else you know, like kind of personal experiences you're you wanted to address with with some of that uh well i mean that was that was number one i i i mm-hmm. i didn't want to uh as a percussionist i right. I, I didn't want to be overlooked or not be taken seriously because of the right. way i was dressed um so a lot of things i would normally wear (laughs) i i I didn't wear or i i you know and some i'm still dealing with that i'm still Mm -hmm. dealing with that things i would like to 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 wear or or dress Mm -hmm. way the way i would like to dress sometimes i i i don't because i don't want you know uh to be looked at in a different way you know if that makes sense uh yeah it does and and i guess that's what i'm kind of getting at as far as some of your experiences um as an african-american in the percussion community like um in some of that that perspective and that you know that stands out do you, you think that's something that's uh is is progressing yeah i think it i think it's definitely progressing 
Um, and it's definitely progressing for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started to, I noticed, I've noticed over the years, I've started to become more comfortable. Uh, I, I guess if, if that's the right word for it, uh, sure. in, and who I am and, and in wh- who I am as a, as a musician, as an educator, uh, as a professional. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've started to kind of forget about, you know, what, how people are going to view me by the way I dress a little bit. You know, I obviously, you know, obviously I dress professionally when I want to need to dress professionally and those types of things. Right. Um, you know, but the, the hoodie thing was actually a real thing for me that I dealt with. Like, I don't want to buy a hoodie because I don't want to be viewed differently. Sure. Um, and you know, I, I, saw so many other people wearing hoodies and I've always wanted to have, I had always wanted to wear a hoodie, but I just never did. So as far as performing arts and, and I didn't, I don't, I don't think I threw this question out in advance. So if it takes you too much by surprise, let me know. But do you, do you see any other ways in the percussion community that, um, you know, maybe we've fallen short in, a, in addressing their, the lack of involvement or participation of, of people of color or the African-Americans specifically? Um, as far as um, falling short or anything like that, I... W- I think it's I think it's all a process in general mm-hmm. um, and it has been a process for for some time now I think I think certainly uh, diversity is more present now than you know 50 years ago or and so forth but um, I think the big things or the big key topics for me at this point that I think, will really continue to push and move the uh, move the ball forward is uh, access and opportunity sure um, at all levels at all levels um, even from a young age um, and we kind of got into this a little bit in the percussive art society uh, roundtable discussion sure uh, about supporting those programs that are going into uh, into uh, areas that and demographical areas that uh, don't necessarily normally have access to music or to percussion and right and and those types of things and supporting uh supporting the local community programs that go in and and really try to make those changes i think it has to start um at those levels um and then work its way up but i think it's it's all about access and opportunity um at all levels at all levels i think you know even the college college teaching level uh you know access and opportunity uh, needs to be there uh for students uh for faculty members uh you know because there i mean you know there are there are there's a diverse group of individuals that are applying for jobs and and studying music um so there's no reason why 
uh, music can't be sort of the the go-to for diversity. Yeah, um, I mean, I I caught most of the of the roundtable, and I and just kind of in reference to some of your points, um, Alana Weising, um, yeah, uh, I think made a, a a point like similar that I mean, I know the conversation went to to um, you know access at all levels, but I I do remember she made a really great point about even kind of early education. Um, and yeah. cause that's, you know, where it, you know, where it starts, because I think sometimes if, if you focused, I mean, I, on all, all aspects, um, it is necessary, but if you kind of jump right into upper, <laughs> upper high school or college level, you're kind of, yeah. you're kind of missing. So. Well, uh, I got a couple other things if you have time, <laughs> if you're interested. Yes. A couple uh, other. Yeah, uh, I have time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, before we kind of wrap up, I mean, I, I, um, I mean, we've talked about inspiration, um, as, you know, compositionally and and where some of that content, you know, came from. Is there anything, um, you know, as a as a performer and a musician out, you know outside of composing that that inspires you even if it's even if it's outside the music world um you know art or um math <laughs> science i don't know yeah uh, um, cook, cooking something that it kind of ins- keeps you inspired as a as a performer and percussionist um i think the my answer to this question is really the the music inspires me because um you know i uh, i i kind of have been living by a a motto recently uh the last few years or so uh that's just that just make music create art and and the rest will come um so sure. I'm, I'm kind of inspired just by the music uh, by making music and and creating art Um, and you know I've obviously I've got inspirations uh, like my teachers all of my former teachers are are inspirations to me uh, Mm -hmm. still to this day Um, you know their lessons uh, live on uh, you know on a daily basis based uh, for me and then I guess outside of music, my inspiration would be my daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. uh, she's she's always, um, sh- I she'll forever be an inspiration to me. You know. Yeah, um, that's great. I, but yeah, that's I've, kind of that's really that's really it. I've got other hobbies outside of music. Yeah. <laughs> and what are like those? <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you I enjoy cooking. <laughs> I enjoy cooking, and I enjoy. Uh, uh, I actually really like to play basketball a lot. So do you cook with your wife? Uh, I most I mostly cook my just myself. Okay. <laughs> um, I just like I like to I like to cook. And, yeah. And I like to learn new recipes and and sure. try new things. So. Um, no, I I just asked because we we uh, my wife and I sometimes will cook dinner together, but I think we operate maybe we operate. Uh, best when 
when only one of us is in the kitchen. I mean, <laughs> she's she's in the room right now. I don't think she's she's got her headphones in. She's working, so she's not paying attention. I can say whatever <laughs> I want then. Uh, yeah, I think I think it, it could be a true test. I think because we tend to get we tend to get in each other's way, or we don't we don't we don't really argue. It's just we're kind of. We don't have a flow, you know, we're kind of bumping into each other or she's standing where I want it yeah. to be or I'm in front of the utensil drawer or whatever or we, we want to use <laughs> whatever. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've had those experiences. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which is yeah. why I, t- I tend to cook by myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did you play basketball growing up then, too? Uh, I, I did. I played rec. Uh, recreational basketball uh, like with the youth center and and, and those uh, leagues where you sign up and then uh, I didn't play in high school Um, I I ended up doing I was a marching band person (laughs) Uh, so my time was kind of geared towards drumming mostly (laughs) right uh, when I was in high school Uh, but I played I I mean I still played like uh, even I played rec ball basketball in high school as well um but i never played on on like my high school team or anything like that um so it's really just more of a hobby for me at this point um and it's it's funny because uh or i like to talk about this because i when i was uh teaching at utrgv uh we would play basketball quite a bit i'd play with my uh play with my students we'd go to the rec center and play uh and then sometimes after uh, indoor drumline rehearsals, uh, where we'd be in the gym, <laughs> we would yeah. we would uh, play pickup, <laughs> push the tarp back, and then play some. Yeah, some and play pickup pickup yeah. games and things like that. It got it got to a point where we would have weekly sessions. Uh, <laughs> they my students called called it m- more Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. We, I. I may have told this story before on the podcast, but um, people will hear it again now. I am not, I don't do sports. Uh, I tried like in uh, junior high, you know, my my friends in grade school and in kind of junior high were really athletic. And so I tried to keep up with them and, and it, it just didn't, it didn't work. It wasn't who I was. And I was a kid that showed up to, uh, well, first I almost called it basketball tryouts. Wait, it is tryouts. Basketball auditions. I almost just called it basketball auditions, which is embarrassing by itself. But so I showed up to seventh <laughs> grade tryouts, basketball tryouts with, you know, I, did, I forgot my gym clothes. So I was a kid running around like in a, p- a pair of slacks and like a sweater, oh, man. you know, trying to do la- <laughs> trying to do layups and stuff. So that, that was pretty embarrassing. And now that pretty much ended my my. Oh. my exploration of sports uh and but yeah i was the same way I mean, by the time i got into junior high i was pretty much i knew um music and playing drums were more my speed it was kind of what i mm-hmm. i found what i w- could excel at um and then yeah that carried me all the way through school and college and um you know my wife is really into movement and exercise she she marched to drum corps back in the in the 90s and then and okay, had d- yeah. dance experience you know since she was little so she's always kind of and she was in color guard in high school and drum corps and stuff so she's always kind of been into dance and movement and um so okay, she tries cool. to get me to at least go outside and take a walk sometimes so i try to do that 
but and our daughter our youngest is is more athletic minded she's she's you know okay. tried tried soccer um kind of into basketball so you know i bought a, a, a basketball hoop and set that up <laughs> last year and so i try to at least encourage her and participate with her sometimes and shoot some hoops and she's she's done summer mm-hmm. uh, well actually it was like winter league like kids basketball league type stuff so it's cool so maybe she'll get a scholarship or something that'd be great um but yeah so that's about all i had on my note sheet joe is there anything you wanted to talk about <laughs> is there anything you wanted to uh address any bones you wanted to pick um not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we we totally fine. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. No, I think no, we uh, covered quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. And I, yeah, I appreciate you again taking the time. And um, you know, I know we've um, you've been a supporter of ours for several years, and we've been able to collaborate on some stuff. And I always kind of appreciate your enthusiasm and and support. So. Um, and I appreciate you having the conversation. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. Uh, and thanks for the support that you've, uh, you and black swamp has, has, has given me, uh, through the course of my career so far. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunities. Um, and you know, I hope to continue to collaborate and, and, and continue to, uh, you know, continue to do things like this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well you've, you've just been recorded so it's on the record and, <laughs> and now you're, you're officially obligated so we'll after, <laughs> after we stop recording it we'll talk about the next project then, cool all right, man sounds great <laughs> thanks joe all right cool all right thank you tim yep this has been a bsp production Recorded and produced out of Black Swamp Percussion Facilities in New Zealand, Michigan. Audio and production assistance by Jamal Taylor and Nathan Coles. With music by Adam Hopper.